This is a Triple J podcast. I am so happy that we are doing this FD Salmon because I am so out of tune with my body and my moods. I mean, I could be feeling really terrible and moody and I won't even stop and think critically about why. And I should be stopping and saying, hey, am I about to get my period? Like, I just feel like it's something I never thought about, never learnt about it in school. Mm. That how you are, like certain places in your cycle will affect your moods and how you are. Yeah. And that's why we really need to do this episode. Yeah. We need like a full refresh. Not even a refresh. We need a whole education yeah. <laughs> on periods and hormones because knowledge is power. And once you know this stuff about your menstrual cycle, you can use it for good. Yeah, not like me, starting wars. <laughs> <laughs> sending that email. Yes, yeah, sending that That you know text. will not be received well. Yeah, don't send that text. Put the phone down, babes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we are going to go back to sex ed, body science, personal development, whatever you want to call it. Class is in session. We're going to tell you everything that happens within a regular 28-day cycle. Yeah, like when and why you're riding the highs and lows of hormones within the month. Physical signs that you can keep an eye out if you want to figure out whether or not you're ovulating. Talking about period pain. Oh, yeah. We need to talk about period pain. Oh, definitely. (laughs) Obviously, like we've been saying, your moods, your hormones and your libido. Yeah, I'm keen to hit that sex drive part of this. It's going to be really fun. Also, a few disclaimers on this episode. We are keeping this explanation kind of broad. And we want to note that not everyone's cycle fits in 28 days. So we're just going to talk about like the usual cycle and not touch on endo and stuff like that. Yeah. And just to acknowledge that there's also trans, non-binary people with ovaries, uteruses, estrogen, uh, that don't identify as female. But for this chat, when our guest, Dr. Teresa, refers to quote unquote female, she means someone who has female reproductive organs. So if you have got a menstrual cycle or actually... Even if you don't. Even if you don't. Anyone who doesn't should be hearing this because you're going to understand people in your life so much better. And this actually matters to a lot of people. So everyone's been talking about this TikTok. Life becomes so much easier when you learn to work with your menstrual cycle. For example, I know I have one week of a pre-flop era, one week of a flop era, and then after that I have a week of a pre-slay era, and then I have a week of a slay era. That's a whole month for you. It has honestly been doing the rounds. People really resonated with what she was saying, talking about this kind of like Gen Z terminology to sum up the menstrual cycle in pre-slay, slay, slay, pre-flop, flop. It just makes so much sense. So our good friend, Dr. Teresa Larkin, is our guide and teacher for today. She's an associate professor at the Uni of Wollongong. She works at the Faculty of Science, Medicine and Health. Now, she doesn't say pre-flop or slay or anything like that. You're going to hear very sciencey terms from her, but that's because she's a professional. But yeah, she was really excited to do this topic with us. And she helped actually so many of you when we did our Science of Sex episode late last year. So we're going to take it back to basics. So first question, why do we actually have a menstrual cycle. It's the classic, like, let's keep the human race going answer, but it has a lot to do with energy as well. The main reason we have a menstrual cycle is because even though a female is born with all of her eggs in her ovaries at birth, which is about a million eggs, those eggs are not mature and they're not ready to be fertilized. So the reason we have a cycle is that then each month or each menstrual cycle, one of those eggs is stimulated to continue to grow so that it can be fully matured and to be ready to be fertilised. But beyond ovulation even, the female reproductive system is the site for 
fertilization, pregnancy, birth, breastfeeding, all of these things are really high energy demands. So it's actually having a cycle and limiting to once a month is kind of a way of keeping that in check because we need to have a limit then of how many times a female can go through that in her lifetime because it's so energy requiring. I don't know why, but when I was hearing Teresa explain this, I kind of kept thinking about like a fuse box. So when there's like way too much power in the house and then you blow a fuse. Oh, yeah. It's like if you have too much power, like you'll explode. So (laughs) I feel like this kind of way of having a cycle where you're dropping the egg, releasing it, going back and forth, like it is like a circuit breaker almost. I mean, if there's any electricians listening, they're probably like, that's not how that fucking works. Coming to your DMs. But I I just found that interesting. (laughs) It is. It's like the body, everything in the body has a function and a place for a reason. Mm. But I never knew that's why we have a cycle. Yeah. So what actually happens roughly during those 28 days, that whole cycle? So the menstrual cycle is really split into two parts. So the first part is about ovulating an egg. And then the second half is about preparing for pregnancy. So whether you do or don't want to or can or can't become pregnant, that is the crux of the female reproductive system. So that's what's driving the cycle. So in the first half, it's called the follicular phase. And this is all about the final growth and maturation and then ovulation of an egg. So in the ovaries, each egg is in its own little sac, so hundreds of thousands of them. It's called a follicle. So in the same way that our hair follicles house our hairs, the follicles in the ovary, they each have an egg in them. So at the beginning of the follicular phase, and that's the beginning of a cycle, and that's also the same time that you're bleeding from the previous cycle, but we'll get to that as we go through. So at the beginning of the follicular phase, There are hormones from the brain, so especially the follicle-stimulating hormone from the pituitary gland, and that stimulates the ovaries. So it stimulates the follicles, as it's called, and then the follicles will produce estrogen. So estrogen then goes in our blood, it goes to lots of different places in our body, but some of that estrogen stays in the ovaries, and then that's the estrogen that actually drives the final growth and maturation of that egg in the follicle. So when the egg's gotten big enough and it's mature and it's gone through its changes and is ready to be released and the ovulation, uh, the um, estrogen is increasing throughout that follicular phase, then the estrogen sends a message back to the brain to say, ready to go. You know, we need to ovulate. So then that stimulates the follicle to release the egg out into the uterine or fallopian tube where it will then travel to the um, uterus in the hope of of being fertilized. Okay. Very sciencey. Yes. A lot of information there. But like Dr. Teresa said, <laughs> there are two main parts. The follicular. Okay, slay. The slay phase. <laughs> and then the luteal. Which is the flop. Yeah. Oh my God. It's gonna be so hard to remember. <laughs> um we are gonna get to the flop era soon. Uh but there's so much we need to unpack when it comes to the slay, aka follicular 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 part of the cycle yeah basically it's all about getting the egg ready the estrogen is pumping by the way that's a hormone um which by the way as well makes you super horny but we're going to get into that very soon because mood and libido really go hand in hand when it comes to how toey you get leading up to ovulation but i want to stick to the physical things first yeah but speaking of ovulation there are actually people out there who are really who are so in tune with their body 
that they either track or just know exactly when they're ovulating. Could literally never be me. Oh, babe, you don't even know what you're feeling right now. I don't. <laughs> you're like, am I, I happy? Am regulate I sad? my emotions. I don't know. <laughs> don't ask me to. Just a bunch of atoms moving through the world. <laughs> don't ask me to think thoughts. Literally. Um, <laughs> midbrain. <laughs> but if you did want to know, if you, Pip or anyone listening actually wants to know, there I are do. physical signs that you can look out for. Um, one of the big ones being mucus, aka discharge. Hmm. Yeah, super interesting. So towards the end of the follicular phase in the in preparation for ovulation and the body getting ready as if there's going to be sperm coming in to fertilize. So the glands in the cervix, the secretions or the mucus that they produce at that stage under the influence of estrogen, it's much thinner. So it's more like a lubricating kind of a texture. And that's for more enjoyable sex at that time. But it's also thinner so that it actually allows the entry of sperm if they're in the vagina, through the cervix into the uterus in the hope that they will um, will fertilise. And also at that time, the oestrogen is also thickening the wall of the uterus so that if the egg is fertilised, it can easily implant. So, yeah, people, uh, females may notice that around the time of ovulation, the mucus is thinner it's sort of clear and it's, yeah, and it's much more, it's more like a lubrication because it's all about then promoting sex really so that they can, so that that egg has the most chance, like I said, whether you do or don't want to be pregnant, that's what the body is setting up for. That is, I okay, yeah. I find that so interesting. Do you reckon then during your ovulation, you're just like randomly wet and you're just like, why? why? Yes. Not like horny, but like your body's like, let's yes. go, get a peen in me. When you think about it, like in hindsight, like, oh my God, yeah, that's such a yeah. thing. There's, and it's so interesting that that's why. Yeah. There's definitely times where I've like, you know, checked my undies and I'm like, oh, different consistency today. Yes. That's it. Connecting the know. dots. You're like, wait. <gasps> I want a calendar. <laughs> I'm learning. Yes, I love this. Also, there's another way you can tell. Sometimes people reckon that they can actually feel it happening. They can feel the egg being released in a form of pain. Yes. Oh, my God. Okay, so I'm glad you brought this up because when we did the science of sex with Dr. Carl and Dr. Teresa, so many questions came through from you on our Instagram asking about this pain when ovulating. And here is why. That's because the you have chemical messengers called prostaglandins that are necessary to burst open that follicle essentially to release the egg. And if your prostaglandins are too high, then females can feel that as a little bit of pain. Is that not wild? Also, the visual of something bursting makes me sick. Well, here's another gross visual. Oh, great. Your egg is actually a decent size. Oh. Like Teresa says, it's the biggest cell in your body. No wonder some females can feel ovulation. You've got an egg coming out of your ovaries that's that you could see with, with your eye. <laughs> okay, so Peep and I just chucked that into Google because we were like, no, surely. What does it look like? I am screaming, crying, throwing up. Uh, it is like a giant version of like a salmon roe, like a fish egg on sushi, like but big. I know you're disgusted, <sighs> but I think it's actually kind of cute. Do you? Yeah, it's a little like, it's giving fish energy, like you said, Salmon, but it's like, it's cute. It's a little orangey little egg. I just didn't think it was going to be orange. I thought, I thought it was, was going to be white. I thought it was being clear. Like, I was like, why is it orange? <laughs> okay, so we've gone over the physical things happening here. Now it is time to look at the emotions, the moods, the libido of the pre-slay and slay era, the follicular Mm-hmm. phase mm-hmm. yeah so we're trying to keep things in order but there is a bit of a crossover between the follicular phase and the luteal 
with ovulation. Yeah, you said it right. I, I always... You looked at me. You said like, it right. Luteal? Luteal. I was like, got to give me a check. Gotta got to give me this. a check for menstrual. I'm keeping that in the pod. <laughs> okay, yes. So, with ovulation. So, bear that in mind. So, like Dr. Teresa said before, the follicular phase is all about egg prep and there's a hell of a lot of estrogen hormones involved, which makes you horny. So, the main hormone during the follicular phase is estrogen. And estrogen means estrus generating. And estrus is that really sexual receptive period of fertility. We might think about it in animals when we hear about them on heat. So estrogen is all about, and the point of that first part of the cycle is all about releasing an egg in the hope that it will meet sperm and be fertilized. So knowing that you're horny and you probably want to have more sex in this phase, in the lead up to ovulation... How can we know when we're the most fertile? Like when are you most likely to get pregnant, right? Because lots of people use ovulation as a contraceptive tracker, aka known as the rhythm method, um, which we will talk about later in this episode. But yeah, how do they make sure that they don't fall pregnant? Sperm have like five to six day lifespan, but exactly what you said, the egg only lives for a sort of a fertility window of 12 to 24 hours after you ovulate. So yeah, the most fertile period of estrus is then like a few days leading up until ovulation and just say the day of ovulation. And estrogen doesn't just impact your sex drive. It plays a huge role in your mood. I mean, the hormones in both the follicular and the luteal phases travel through your body and to your brain receptors and then they just start affecting and fucking with your emotions and your behaviours. Estrogen leading to ovulation, so it rises throughout the first half, throughout the follicular phase. And it's all about estrus generating. It's all about increasing the chance of becoming pregnant. So during that first half, the higher estrogen is associated with a better mood, more energy. You know, um, people are more likely to socialize at that time and meet a new potential mate or, you know, increase their connections if they have a current partner. And then that's where we have an increase in libido because the desire and the estrogen is saying, you know, you're coming up to your fertile period. Like this is when you could most likely be, you know, become pregnant. And as I said, whether that is what someone does or doesn't want, that's the way that the female reproductive system works. I keep saying it. So interesting. It's so useful. I wish we had this when we were younger. I actually had a boss back in the day who got everyone to put their periods in the calendar to track when you were like in your slay era, your pre-slay era. Really? Because it meant that you would be more productive and you'd be more excited and sociable and able to do like stories. So this was like being a journalist, but yeah, you <laughs> get to do certain stories that were more like extroverted and whatever. And then people who were in their flop era, aka Latiel phase, should be more attuned to maybe them being a bit more sensitive and which we're going to get into but yeah how cool is that that is so wild i mean obviously your boss is um a woman or a woman identifying yes that would be weird if it was a man (laughs) but yeah look if you have noticed um that sort of sense of productivity and mood boost um this is a huge thing dr Teresa says that you are way more productive um, at this point too, you're feeling yourself, you're living, you're loving. Even though it's sort of there about driving a um, a sex response and increasing libido, it's also is about the extra energy. You know, I'm in this productive mode, like I can get things done, the world is good, I'm happy in the world, you know, look at everything, that I've got lots of energy. So it is just more generally, yeah, theoretically our bodies are more productive during that time. So- 
Okay. First half of your cycle, first phase, we've covered, down-packed. We've discovered that most of the follicular phase is pre-slay and then ovulation slay. And now we're going to get into flop territory. Wow, the luteal phase. And here is Dr. Teresa to explain. What happens is that the body assumes that there will be fertilization in a pregnancy. It has to go with that. So it needs to prepare. So the mantra for the second half of the cycle is to prepare for pregnancy. So again, no matter no matter whether you have or hadn't had sex or you do or don't want to be pregnant, this is what happens. So what happens is that the follicle in the ovary that released the egg for ovulation, it turns into what's called the corpus luteum. And luteum or luteal, it basically refers to yellow or egg yolk. And that's because that's the nourishing part for the egg as it goes on its travels. So that corpus luteum that stays in the ovary, it then secretes hormones so that the egg, if it's fertilized, will be able to implant in the uterus. So the main hormones that are secreted in this second half, in the luteal phase, is progesterone. And that name, progesterone, means promoting gestation. So it literally is the hormone preparing for pregnancy. So similar to what estrogen did when it was released, progesterone gets released. It goes through our blood to lots of different parts of our body. But one of the parts that has the most effect is in the uterus. So in the uterus, it actually stimulates the growth of extra blood vessels so that more blood is going to the uterus so that then if the egg is fertilized, it can implant and then it can gather access to the um, mother's blood. But progesterone also sends a message back to the pituitary gland to say that we're basically in a holding pattern at that stage. It's saying, look, we might be getting pregnant. We don't want any more follicles stimulated. We don't want any more eggs released at this stage because we might be getting pregnant. So the aim is just for one ovulation and one pregnancy each time. So we're going to talk to progesterone as a hormone and what it can do to your mood really, really soon. But like before, let's start with the physical stuff. Yeah, because like during the follicular phase, there's physical effects of ovulation too in the luteal phase. Like we found out before um, about during our follicular phase, we have thinner discharge. Now in this phase in our flop phase, is getting thicker. And here's why. The progesterone in that second part of the cycle, it changes the mucus to be thicker because at that stage in that holding pattern saying we could be getting pregnant, we don't want another pregnancy, the thicker mucus at that stage coming from the glands of the cervix prevents sperm from coming in. So even if you're still having sex at that stage during that period and you are pregnant, it's saying like shops shut for now. We you know, have we a sperm. sperm. We have one, babe. Yeah. Go back home. We don't need no you. No more sperm coming through. I literally was like, who's that? And I was like, oh, wait, that's me. That's <laughs> you, babe. Oh, God. I couldn't edit that. It was too cute. You were like, it's me, the sperm. <laughs> knock, knock, hello. No, no the door no. is locked. Fuck off. Fuck off. <laughs> but look, another way you can actually tell um, is through temperature changes as well. But the other thing that happens is that literally 12 about 12 to 24 hours after ovulation, body temperature increases by about half to one degree. So some people use body temperature mapping. If they're taking their body temperature at, say, the same time every day at rest, they can use that to see, you know, low, 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 low. You might have some, you know, lubricating mucus, thinner mucus, increasing body temperature, and it stays high during that second half. Again, because the body's thinking holding pattern, we might be pregnant, 
we need to be healthy. So the increase in body temperature actually increases immune function so that if you come into contact with viruses or pathogens during that period, you already have additional protection. So your immune system is already on high alert. So I don't know about you, Dee, but I've experienced in one of my sisters that sometimes before I get my periods, maybe two days before or the day before, I feel run down or I get a random sore throat and then it goes. And that's because then once there's this, you know, the 12 days, the corpus luteum saying could be pregnant, could be pregnant. When it gets the signal it's not pregnant, everything drops off. So not only do the hormones drop off, which make us bleed, but that heightened immune and temperature also drops off. So you kind of have a, have a little dip in your immune system. I know we've been shitting on the luteal phase a lot here. We're calling it the flop era, for God's sake. But, I hate her. I mean, but, like, listen to that. It's literally keeping our immunity, like, better, keeping us a little bit hotter so we don't get sick because we might be pregnant. So that's a good thing mm. for luteal and progesterone, which <laughs> everyone is apparently hating on now, but like Dr. <laughs> Teresa said, you need both. Mm. Okay, I don't know. I'm still, <laughs> I'm I'm still like, on the fence I'm about still this. Like, I don't know. We'll She's see. not convinced, folks. <laughs> not convinced. Um, but yeah, like we were talking about earlier with people tracking their ovulation, Dr. Teresa spoke to us about how people do it with that temperature change in relation to contraceptives, like making sure that they don't fall pregnant. But she said that temperature tracking isn't the best unless you're like really fucking on it religiously and know your body super well and you're super regular. So some people do use the temperature changes to map their cycle but we should make it clear that it's not useful for contraception at that time because the body temperature increase happens after ovulation and essentially at the end of your fertile period but what it can be used for is if a a female is tracking that from month to month and they're regular then they can predict when that fertile period is going to be whether it's to try and have sex during that period to fall pregnant or to, if they're using, you know, just the rhythm method, method of protection, which obviously isn't so reliable, but some people still can decide to use that, then it also tells them, well, these are my days that I should avoid sex to not become pregnant. But you need to, you can only really do that if you've got regular periods and you're mapping quite, you know, religiously. So let's chat mood and emotions. Let's do it. I'm really excited about this because I get really bad PMS. I can. Yeah. Pip was like, yeah, I know. I know. (laughs) I'm in it right now. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of what can happen in the luteal phase. It's like we've been saying all about progesterone, um, which compared to estrogen is just not as fun. It's not to say that estrogen is all good and progesterone is all bad because we need both of them and we need both of them in a balance. But the thing is, with progesterone being increased most after ovulation, that's when we're going into that mode, preparing for pregnancy. And it's a bit of a holding pattern, like I said. So this is where then that can affect your mood to feel like you want to settle in. You know, your mood can be lower, less likely to socialize, more introverted, probably feeling lower energy because the body wants you to conserve energy. It's thinking we might be getting pregnant. You know, we need to be conserving energy. And then in terms of libido, that translates to a lower libido. So less desire to have sex because basically your body's saying, but we could be pregnant. I don't want another pregnancy at this time. You know, we could be pregnant. Let's wait and see what happens here. So yeah, definitely. But in general, the, the, you know, lower mood and, and low energy. I have a thought mm-hmm. as per usual. 
Why after ovulation, after the egg has been released and then no pregnancy happens, no sperm attaches and it just disappears, why doesn't the reproductive organs send a message to the brain saying, hey, jokes, didn't happen, didn't get preggers, we can go on to partying again, like let's go into our slate era, <laughs> let's feel good again. Like why are we in our flop stage for 14 days after that? No, I completely agree. If we can skip the flop, why wouldn't you? Here's the thing, though. Dr. Teresa says it's kind of unavoidable. So the corpus luteum in the ovaries has a 12-day um, lifespan. So maybe it's even like a backup option where maybe there could still be a pregnancy a few days after ovulation. And so that 12 days, and also it takes time, you know, it takes time once the egg is released and then even if it is fertilised to travel through But the key is that we need the corpus luteum to still be secreting the progesterone for 12 days because if then there is a pregnancy, the um, fertilised egg will burrow into the uterus and that sends signals for then the placenta to develop and the corpus luteum needs to keep secreting hormones until the placenta can take over. So it's more like it's a, um, a backup option. It's more like, you know, we really do have to make sure that we're not pregnant because if we are pregnant and the corpus luteum stops secreting hormones, then the pregnancy won't be viable. No. No. I don't like this backup plan. We don't need it. Sorry, evolution. At what point did we not evolute? <laughs> so I didn't have to deal with a flop error. Like why? <laughs> I, don't, I don't like that answer. No, I do. I agree, I agree with you. I think it's shit. But at the same time, like, isn't life about, you know, yin and yang? You have to have uh, darkness to have light. To slay for the flop. Oh, my God, D. It's like that TikTok. Which one? The one that that guy is saying and he's like, would you rather never slay again or slay so hard every day that slay loses all meaning? Slay every day is a slay lose. That's I, what this is I'll about. Take it. I'll take it. We have to have the flop to appreciate the slay. No, if I never have to have PMS or period cramps ever again in my life, I'm picking slay every day till slay loses all meaning. Sign me up. Anyways. Back to Teresa. We need to talk about the two days before your period. In the luteal phase, as you've been hearing in my voice, they are the most brutal days, the lowest you'll be during the cycle, and this is why. But the other thing is, apart from that in those sort of that 12-day period in the luteal phase leading to your periods, the two days just before your periods is when the hormones all drop off. The estrogen and the progesterone drop off because of that signal to say no pregnancy. And then it's the two days after that exactly pretty much that you start to bleed. And so it's for some, it's the drop off in the hormones that makes them feel, you know, sad, depressed, things like that. So I've, I've decided that my mantra is two days, not today. I want to repeat this mantra. Say it again. Two days, not today. This is in reference to not sending that angry email or that passive aggressive text to somebody because you are at the drop off of your hormones and it's going to be better in two days babe put the phone down I needed to hear that (laughs) I need to have that tattooed across my forehead yeah because every single month like clockwork Mm. I will break up with the person I will end friendships I will send that email just circling back. Do you know what I mean? It's like every single time and I still every single time go, this is real. Like it's not nothing to do with my periods coming. Like every single time. But then two days later, you're like, got my period. Yeah. 
That's why I was crying into a tub of ice cream. No, that's a sad stereotype, but it is real. Yeah, it is kind of real. So we'll say it again with me. Two days, not today, bitch. Bit of a PSA. Um, I've made this whole episode very about me and my PMS. <laughs> but no, just so you know, Teresa did say that some people can have a cycle and not feel a single thing. Kind of pit energy. But no, oh. like... They like, just won't me. get mo- they just don't get moody and they don't feel those like really hectic hormonal emotional like I yeah. mean no I definitely feel moody and stuff but I never like yeah critically think about why I'm just like oh I'm just angry and yeah. then I'm like oh wait it's my period but apparently some people can just have like a cycle and just their sleigh and their flop is pretty just chill love that for them while we are talking about moods and hormones in the luteal phase okay pre flop flop We've been talking about PMS. We do want to chat about this a bit more. Yeah, because there's so many jokes, obviously, you've heard throughout your lifetime if you are a woman or woman identifying, oh, she's just PMSing, she's fucking moody, all that shit. And I actually didn't even know this, day that PMS is a real disorder. Um, you can get a medical diagnosis for this and people really, really suffer with it. Oh, I believe it. Yeah, so they are legitimate conditions that affect mood and behaviour due to imbalances in hormone levels. And that's generally in the second half of the menstrual cycle, but especially when people have, yeah, like premenstrual syndrome or premenstrual dysphoric disorder, that can be affecting them for one to two weeks in a recycle. So it definitely is something that could be, you know, quite debilitating in terms of your emotions and your behaviours. So it, it is really hard because we have those cycles and so there are changes and and hormonal things they do affect our moods. Yeah, kind of like Pete was saying before, there are so many jokes about it. And as a feminist or, you know, as a woman or woman identifying, you want to be like, no, I'm I'm fully capable of doing everything any day of the week. Like, stop making jokes about like, oh, you're about to get your period. But it's like, it's kind of true for like some people. Backed. Like, it's actually true for some people. And maybe yeah. we should be changing that dialogue. And it's not a joke. It's actually serious. And it's like, you know what? Maybe I will be a little bit more sensitive those two days. Or maybe that whole flop era, I'm going to be sensitive. Or like a bit depressed or anxiety. Some people get really bad depression and anxiety during that time. Uh, and like we've been hearing, like, it's a real medical disorder. So I don't know. I feel a type of way about people joking about this stuff. No, I totally get you. And you know what, though? Luckily, um, Dr. Teresa said that it is something that can be treated. Hormone imbalances are treatable. And so, you know, lots of different combinations of the pill, they can be used to help that. And actually, we're doing research at the moment looking at estrogen and progesterone, and we've looked at testosterone in people with major depressive disorder and without major depressive disorder. Because most of the research as well about estrogen and progesterone and mood has come from, you know, the antenatal period or or post-birth or menopause. And even though we know that there are those changes across the cycle and for some females that's quite severe, we don't really know a lot in terms of just general population and across different general times. So this is something that we're really interested in. Okay, so we have covered follicular, pre-slay and slay during ovulation. And then we've gone all the way around to the pre-flop and flop, which is mostly luteal. Mm-hmm. Now we've gotten to the period. We're at the end or the beginning, as some people might think. But um, yeah, what do we think? Uh, we need to talk about this because obviously 
there are a lot of changes um, in your body at this time, particularly with your blood. And we wanted to ask Dr. Teresa about this. The blood that comes out is the blood that was in those arteries in the thicker uterus wall because it was all getting ready for a pregnancy. So there was extra blood going to the uterus. And then when there's a drop off and there's no pregnancy, it goes into the uterus. So as the uterus is filling, it will then contract to push that blood out. But if there's so much blood that the uterus isn't getting it out quick enough, sometimes that's when we can get clots because it's sitting there. That first flow is usually when it's the darkest and the reddest, and that's because it's fresh blood and it's faster flowing. Whereas the longer that the blood sits around or maybe, you know, your uterus is contracting it out quite slowly. So actually the iron in the hemoglobin in our blood becomes oxidized and that's how it turns that brownie color. And and even sometimes when people get a bit of spotting or maybe they've finished their period and then a few days later they might get some mucus that's a little bit brown. And that's just because it's the normal mucus coming from the uterus and the cervix, but there may have still been a little bit of dried blood and then that sort of joined in. So that's why it's generally brownie at that time as well. Oh, my God, Pip, again, it's like that TikTok. Yes. The barbecue sauce face. Oh, yeah, definitely. I also saw another TikTok of a comedian um, talking about how when you get to that phase, if you've done your five days of bleeding and then there's like another day and she's just like, nah, fuck this, I'm not wearing any pads, no. tampons, no moon cup. That's so true. You're like, I'm done. Like, I've done it. No, I'm sorry. When you have the gap where you think you're out, you're in yes. the all clear. And you're like, oh, I'm fine. You're going to be a barbecue sauce on your undies. You're like, no. A day later. And you're like, no, no. I refuse. I've done the time. I've done the time. I've gone to jail. Like it's a prison sentence. Don't come back. Oh, God. Don't come back. All right. Well, let's talk about period pain, something that quite a lot of us experience. Maybe not everybody, but um, yeah, we asked her, what is happening there? And again, it's to do with contraction and prostaglandins. So the uterus, the cervix, the blood vessels, they're all being contracted to get that blood out. And prostaglandins are chemical messages that we need, you know, in our bodies, and they help us do that. But if those levels are too high, they're also a pain signal. And so the contracting of the uterus is what's then causing that pain. And the prostaglandins are, you know, giving us the message of pain. But yeah, they've also, there's been lots of research that um, people think that overall, if someone has higher levels of estrogen during their cycle compared to progesterone, that that can contribute to extra con- contractility, to a thicker lining. So the balance of the hormones through the cycle can also contribute to how much someone feels pain at their periods. I don't know about you, Pip, but my period pain changes month to month. Like sometimes it's really bad and then sometimes it's really mild. Yeah, I think mine is mostly mild because I've been on the pill for like a long time, a couple of years. But then there are some random ones where I'm just like, oh, like, why me? And I don't even know why. (laughs) Yeah, you might just, you might have slightly different hormones across different months, but it could also be that external factors can affect our prostaglandins and can also affect the sensitivity of the nerves. So I know it sounds silly and this, you know, comes up a lot with people, but stress can have a big impact, even dietary things, our hydration, our exercise, So sometimes people might hear those things and think that, you know, it's kind of all said, but it's not true. But there are lots of things that do affect prostaglandins, that response. Maybe if you've already, if you've had a little bit of a virus that you didn't know about and you might have a higher amount of prostaglandins as a base level that period, maybe then it just takes that little bit more that period and suddenly your body's like too many prostaglandins, too much pain. Because I guess what happens is that when the uterus is contracting and prostaglandins are being produced, that's happening all the time. And it's already signaling things to the body. It's just when it gets to a certain threshold 
intensity or level that we perceive it as pain. So I think, yeah, pain is an interesting and complex, um, you know, phenomena. But you're right. Also, you could even have slight differences in your estrogen or your progesterone across those different periods. It's all starting so to make sense. So interesting. I it's know. really making me backtrack when I've been really sick, and that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so really quickly, last question for Teresa was, of course, about sinking periods because you and I worked together quite closely, and there was a time where we yeah. were synced, little twins. It's actually the best feeling. You get so excited. You're I know. Like, oh, my God, babe, you get me. It is really nice, actually, but um, also – Kind of lame that you got sick and we're out of sync yeah, now. I came five days early. So <sighs> get it together. But yeah, Teresa actually spoke to us about this and there's a really cute reason as to like some hypotheses of why this happens. There's still two schools of thought on that. So there is a school of thought that there can be synchronization of periods due to pheromones. Um, and there has been research on that. The jury's out for that at the moment. But it's not impossible. So we do have a particular part of our nasal septum called the vomeronasal organ that can um, detect pheromones that are unconscious. But there's a lot of research that sort of hasn't confirmed exactly how that works in humans compared to um, other animals. But and if it's and the other thought is it's just chance, you know, at some stage your your cycles will align. But I'm sure lots of people have, you know, experienced it. I've experienced it myself. And from an evolutionary perspective, they do say that it makes sense because if we have a group of females and males and it's and for the in terms of the, you know, repro reproducing, if we have all the females in that group ovulating at the same time and they all need a mate, that means that there needs to be multiple mates for them. And so that avoids the situation of a dominant male with a harem of women. So it is, you know, from an evolutionary perspective, it's beneficial. It's, I mean, I think it's beneficial for females as well, because I feel like it's a good thing if everyone's sort of, you know, in that later part of the cycle together, you know, maybe that's where the solidarity of a girl's night in comes from, or if there's a, a stage where everyone's like, let's go out, you know, maybe that's when a crazy girl's night out comes from. I feel like for the people who do suffer from mood disorders and, and pain, Having a bit of a sisterhood at that time is actually really a nice thing. I just did the biggest yawn because I'm in my full flop. So <laughs> I think it's time for us to get out of here, babe. <laughs> Wait, quickly, what was your favourite thing about this app? I think that I felt so validated about the two days before period thing, mm. which isn't new information, but hearing the science behind why felt really reassuring like knowing that my body's hormones have all just completely fucked off and it's out of your control and it's out of my control feels good it felt really good and mm. having that mantra i think will stick with me like i'll actually get it tattooed two days not today um for me i think it there was so many things i'm gonna be scraping my coochie to figure out my mucus i i'm gonna get in tune with my body that is a promise I, you best believe, trust and believe, I will know when I'm ovulating in like maybe three months when I figure out my cycle. Oh my God, it's so funny. Anyway, we hope that you learnt so much from this episode as well. Um, if there's anything that you think we've missed or if there's anything that was within this chat that you want us to explore even more, uh, let us know. You can DM us at Triple J The Hookup. Or you can email us thehookup at abc.net.au. Okay, bye. Bye. 
Dave Marchese here from the Triple J Hack Team. If you love the hookup podcast like I do, we reckon you might enjoy the Triple J Hack Podcast too. Each day we bring you the news that matters to you, from the latest science on climate change to what's going on in politics and news around the world. The Hack Podcast, it's your daily fix of the news you need to know. Get it wherever you're listening now.